0: To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli, and this is Memory Card. Welcome to the first episode of season seven. This is coming to you a bit earlier than advertised as uh, something of a surprise, and there's a reason for that that we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, you may have noticed that push didn't chime in just then um, by saying he was here. That's because he's not here. We always have two episodes where we bring on a guest, and he brings on a guest, and I bring on a guest. And he has a wonderful guest for you guys later on in the season. But we are actually going to start off the season with my guest. Here with me today is internet detective and uh, gaming historian, who you may be familiar with, the wonderful Raven Simone, perhaps better known by some of you online as Bob Dunga. How are you, Raven?
1: I've abducted Push. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, he always he always does these weird openings where he's talked about like he replaced me or fired me.
1: <laughs> uh, that's perfect.
0: And I always try to be like nice about it, like, oh, Push is asleep <laughs> right now. So I like that. I like the, the interesting uh, nature with which you're coming in, the energy.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great to be here. I'm really excited.
0: Well, we are really... Glad to have you. Uh, wh- what have you been doing during these pandemic times? What are you keeping yourself busy with?
1: Oh gosh, okay. During the pandemic times, I've been doing a lot more lost media videos behind the scenes. So I, I nothing out as of yet. Something is on its way though for February or possibly late January. But mm. I've been doing a lot of detecting and <laughs> video game lost media stuff.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and those of you who don't know. Raven has a series, Tales of the Lost, on YouTube where she does these like long form documentaries and they're so in-depth and the production values are really cool because she does all these like, you know, you do these like setup shots and uh, I just love it so much. Thank you. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously, I don't think you're going to give away what you're currently working on. Is there any kind of a hint or anything?
1: Oh, yeah. I've been telling people online that it's superhero related. And it's also within the gaming sphere, but more so into like uh, cartoon nostalgia. Hmm. So less video games this time.
0: Is it the Lost Pepsi Man game?
1: (laughs) That would be awesome.
0: (laughs) I don't think there is one, but if you found one, that would be.
1: Say, hey, guys, I found this prototype.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) man, that'd be big. Well, when I first reached out to you, um, because, you know, you have this extensive background on so many different games and i gave you the normal spiel about how you can cover anything as long as it's nothing that we've covered in the past and yeah um, you had just kind of come off of a press tour of sorts because of the mean girls uh, ds game that you had unearthed and i was anticipating you saying that maybe you wanted to talk about that which would be awesome i would love that too but you said you want to do something a little bit different
1: I figured that this time around, because it just seemed like after the Mean Girls uh, documentary had dropped, because it was a part one and a part two of the video that took place. It's almost been like seven, eight, or I think nine months, actually. <laughs> but ever since the first one and the second one had dropped, then it had been just like a lot of different interviews and podcasts where I talked about it. But I kind of wanted to like, you know, take a little break from it and maybe discuss things from, like, my older content because there were other things that I'd covered in the past that while they weren't, like, exactly lost media, they were still, like, gaming-related content. And actually, the one that I wanted to talk to you Uh, To talk about with you today. It kind of has a little bit of lost media elements that I thought were really fascinating. So if there's any detectives out there that want to do some research after this, (laughs) just like (laughs) a lost media video on it, that would be kind of awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're always talking about, uh, you know, obscure games, consoles, characters, and uh, we always put it out there. If anybody knows anything more about these or uh, can give us some good information, feel free to reach out. This is, this is the audience, definitely. Our listeners are very invested in gaming history and lost media.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because like this topic is very tech-oriented as well. So if you'd like, I could get into it. Would, would you like me to?
0: <laughs> well, there's also another aspect to this. And it's kind of why uh, we decided to do this episode a little earlier than we had planned. You know, in all honesty, we are recording this in late January. Yeah. But um, you had the idea that we could put it out in February as kind of a tie-in with Black History Month.
1: Yes, I I did. I felt like the subject matter of it is. I feel like it's it's definitely an important moment in the tech industry, like tech history. But I feel like it's kind of gone overlooked, and the reason for that is, it's honestly, is just because gen z i'm not trying to attack gen z okay but, <laughs> but i feel like for the gen z of today they won't have that same anxiety that we had as millennials so this like moment in time sadly is just not relevant to them and it's not their fault it's just it's you know <laughs> it, it doesn't follow with the times anymore
0: yeah and, and push and i have talked in the past about uh you know doing something special that kind of highlights you know black contributions to gaming black characters but you know we're the uh, two nerdy white guys and uh, we we don't have the most expertise in that realm so i was kind of thrilled that you suggested that we do something that you know ties into black history month yeah so are you ready to ready to dive in
1: i am i am <laughs>
0: I know I said we're going to dive in and I know you're excited to do that. But before we get to Mavis, I want to know a little bit more about Raven. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get interested in video games and and how did you get interested in uh, becoming a super sleuth online for these kind of things?
1: So basically, I, you know, like everybody else online, I had a huge growing fascination with the content creation that was happening over on YouTube. You know, it all started with like, like Smosh and just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) creators from 2005 onwards and it started to become more of like a viable place for people to share their love of gaming whether they were like showing their 140p gameplay footage (laughs) or whatever (laughs) and I started to get into that because of a like Newgrounds was also quite popular and I was really big into animation. So I used to use YouTube as a place to like dump my crappy, <laughs> crappy, crappy animations. <laughs> um, and over the years when the platform started to grow and I started to see creators sort of use it for more of like segment based stuff. So whether it be like podcasts or little skits or even um video game reviews that was something that that really pulled me in further into that world and I was like hey I want to do things like that too it looks really fun so I, like within the last 4 years or so I started the YouTube channel known as the Bob Dunga show well it was originally just like a uh, a place where I would do retro rewinds uh, analysis videos and video game reviews on games that I grew up with and things that were like close to my heart growing up in terms of the whole gaming sphere And then that sort of just evolved into like me doing a lot of deep dives because I really liked talking about games and just talking about like the things behind it that people sometimes missed or just like kind of went into the void. And then I started to get like this growing fascination with obscure things.
0: I feel you. I feel you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like because obscurity also falls into like video game history. Right. So then Mm. eventually that kind of led me into lost media because. I was really into cinematography and film, and then also I really liked true crime. So I wanted to like merge all of it into like one video after watching a couple of different true crime videos and lost media documentaries.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I'm right there with you. That's kind of why we started the podcast, just because there's so many games that are obscure or series that people don't know about that only came out in Japan or you know, only launched in a small part of the world or had a small print run. And it's just so fascinating to find these games and be like, why have I never heard of this before?
1: It's cool when you get to unearth certain things or like yeah. you uncover something that like, well, for instance, like the, the beta sprites or like all the the Pokemon that could have existed that never existed, mm-hmm. something about that. Like, I don't know, there's just like this euphoric kind of feeling and it's also nostalgic being able to like find these things like a little detective. <laughs>
0: Right. It's funny you mentioned that because Push and I actually did the narration for the Did You Know Gaming uh, episode where they oh, wow. where they were talking about all the different Pokemon sprites. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. yeah, so
1: you know exactly that feeling. Oh,
0: yes, very much so. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, and um, you know, I've I've watched quite a few of your videos, but I where does the name Bob Dunga come from?
1: uh, uh that I get that question a lot, but I mean. It, it makes sense because it's a very strange name <laughs> but basically when i was uh i think i was maybe 12 11 or something like that i got my first playstation 3 and i loved it and i was so excited and the first game i played on there was call of duty i can't remember if it was like one of the modern warfare games and i went on to like the because we had our own like version of like the live network for a while right it, it, yeah so so you needed like login and you had to make like like whatever like your own username so i went in there into one of the lobbies and everybody was like either swearing at people who sounded like little kids (laughs) or asking (laughs) people to make them a sandwich because you know it's the call of duty atmosphere right yeah so i had to come up with like a very obscure username at the time because i was just like too intimidated by all the other people that were in there and that's sort of how the name bob dunga came about but fun fact the b like the bob (laughs) Uh uh-huh the Bob for Bob Donga is because I love that show reboot. Oh, really awesome
0: reboot. Esto. Yeah, I thought maybe it was some uh, like Zelda thing because it kind of sounds like a Zelda boss.
1: Oh my god, like a Dodongo. <laughs> Bob Dodongo. Uh huh.
0: I know how much you hate being blown up by bombs, and I thought maybe it was a connection to that somehow.
1: That could work too. That that could be the alternative. Yeah,
0: that's right. I did it. <laughs> I sleuthed it. I figured it out. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about Mavis. What's uh, where where do we start?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So for any of you, I swear I'm not trying to pick on Gen Z, but anybody in Gen Z that's watching this or, or listening to this right now, you probably won't understand that anxiety of being told in school that you have to know how to how to write in cursive. Right. Come on. <laughs> how to read Roman numerals and also how to flame your friends effectively, all with <laughs> ten fingers, like with the keyboard. <laughs> but that was something that a lot of millennials had to grow up with like we had etiquette in schools where you had to learn typing on the keyboard you had to write in fancy ways that we don't even use today and mm-hmm. roman numerals like i still am, I, what is that anyway <laughs> so basically uh mavis beacon is a, t- a typing software and it was taught in like a lot of different schools in the u.s and canada and it, it allowed people to use the internet. So when the internet boom first came around, then it was more of like an at-home thing. So a lot, a lot of families in the early '90s and the late '80s were starting to integrate computers into their own homes. And around that time, then uh, I think it was the company Toolworks. They decided to develop Mavis Beacon teaches typing in order to sort of introduce people to the online etiquette. And I don't really know in hindsight why they felt that was necessary because it obviously fell out of style with, you know, tablets and smartphones. Like we don't really need some sort of computer <laughs> etiquette. I mean, how how do you type? I'm oh, more of a two pronged yes. typer. I type with two fingers.
0: Oh man, that's crazy. I have it in my notes right here. Yeah. I type like a velociraptor,
1: <laughs> Yeah. like, like yes. two
0: two fingers on each hand and then thumbs.
1: Exactly. <laughs> two fingers so, and then thumbs. I
0: mean, you could say that uh mavis beacon kind of failed us or we failed her i should yes. say it's a better way to think about it <laughs> and you know i'm a i'm a teacher and every i'm i teach sixth grade and every single one of my sixth graders has their own chromebook wow so you know they're constantly typing yeah um but back back in the day in the before times there were computer labs and you had to go to the lab yes. if you wanted to do a project or type anything um i think in middle school we had um the cool like translucent like Macs.
1: yes like the, the big G3s, bulbous one yeah, I,
0: yeah I, You have a video on that, right? Translucent stuff.
1: I do. I do. The Y2K fashion and the iMac G3. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I do think that in many ways that software, you know, was a positive influence only because I I think like being able to introduce people to the computer in a non-intimidating way Mm -hmm. kind of allowed for more people to like want to use the internet because we had like the different typing classes and then there were also cds that weren't just available for schools but also for you know anyone could just go to the store and pick one up and then or sorry not not cd at the time it was floppy disk <laughs> and then cd right.
0: the cd-rom
1: <laughs> yeah the accessibility and just like having that mascot made it seem very user friendly for anyone who had no experience with a computer and i know that sounds like so weird to hear that like no experience with the computer what are you talking about (laughs) but but there was a time when like a lot of households did not have computers
0: i mean that was the norm back then and if you did it wasn't something that was like super accessible especially for kids i mean there was kid games and i think my school along with mavis beacon had um mario teaches typing Which is a weird, weird Mario game.
1: That came from Mabus Beacon. So the the software inspired a lot of other games. And I I don't know if that was Toolworks. It may have been. Because they also did Mario is Missing and a few other uh, Mario games for kids. Right. But the mario teaches typing i i know a few people who have played that i haven't played that one myself but it's kind of cool to see like the fallout of like the beacon effect basically (laughs) yeah that was i think that
0: was my go-to because you know i was like a big nerdy kid and i was like well if, if i'm gonna type i might as well do it with my uh pudgy plumber friend here (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, uh, I mean, we've talked about Mavis Beacon already for a while. Uh, Can you describe what Mavis Beacon looks like, or at least what she did look like on those original boxes?
1: Yes. Uh, so originally, Mavis Beacon was portrayed as an African-American woman, and she was... Okay, this is what I wanted to talk about, like the, the lost media aspect of this. So her face became so familiar amongst people that it created this really mm. weird Mandela effect. She wasn't an actual person. Mavis Beacon was just a character, but her she, she was modeled after this woman named Renee L'Esperance, and she was a... a Caribbean woman that they found I think it was in a beauty store or I think she was like she was working behind the counter at a beauty shop and they took photos of her and her photos subsequently became the face of Mavis Beacon. Wow. And when the software got really popular and blew up People were like, "Oh yeah, I, I saw maybe speak and do a TV appearance. Yeah, I saw her on Oprah. Like I saw her." <laughs> <laughs> People were saying they saw her in places when, in actuality, she did not exist oh. <laughs> at all.
0: So the the Mandela Effect is like a shared memory that's wrong
1: yeah kind of like the how people think the bernstein bears was spelt a certain way yeah the Bernstein next...
0: bears the Ber- yeah the Beren- i i I honestly can't remember which one is the right one <laughs> <Me> now <too. laughs>
1: it's like <laughs> wait which one is it i don't know right. but it, it had that similar effect and i think the funny lost media uh, aspect of this that, that i wanted to dive into as well was because like People have not been able to find uh, Renee L'Esperance since she took those photos in like 1986-87. Oh my gosh. Like Some people say that she moved back to like the Caribbean and some people like the, they've actually been actively been trying to find her. I know after I released that Mavis Beacon video, there was like a committee of people that sent me an email Asking if I like wanted to partake in like their series where they're trying to uncover Mavis Beacon, and they had a website dedicated to it as well, and wow. it's still up, I believe, but I I don't know if there has been much progress on it. But it's it's just cool that there's there's people looking for this woman. She's like the Carmen Sandiego of typing. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that ties her to another uh, computer series. Yeah. <laughs> Is their website called seekandbeacon.com?
1: Seekandbeacon? It should be. (laughs) (laughs) It totally should be. It was actually like a a little ballsy at the time uh, for Toolworks to have used a black woman as a model for their software and like, even though it was well into the late 80s and we had a growing number of diverse programming like Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton, Sesame Street and even shows like Carmen Sandiego uh, with uh, I think her name was Lynn Thigpin, uh, the chief, mm-hmm. like all very loved and highly successful shows. Even with that fact, then there were still stores that were hesitant to stock the software on their shelves just because of the character. And the more she grew in popularity, a lot of these companies were really quick to change their minds. So it's cool that it worked out in the end. And it was also like probably really refreshing to households with more diverse families to see a popular depiction of an educator as a Black woman, which you know, the majority of media would often not have the best portrayals of Black women at the time. So it was just, aside from the exceptions, I just said. So (laughs) it was just very refreshing.
0: Yeah, because you didn't have that representation back then.
1: Yeah. And and
0: this was like, a great example of a positive effect that it could have on people. Now I'm going to jump back just a little bit. Do you know, did the uh, woman who got her picture taken to you know be the model for maybe speaking did she get paid for that at all or, or is there any background on that
1: i i can't remember that's a good question though i think she might have been paid for the photos Because after the software was released, I think it was Mavis Beacon teaches typing like five onwards, I think they started using a different face. Oh, okay. So once like the photos served their purpose for like those additions, and also in the earlier iterations of Mavis Beacon, you didn't actually see her, you you would just see her on the box art, right? It was only later on in the game that they started to actually integrate the character because they started to add like mini games and just like little bonus features and like a view inside of the classroom.
0: Yeah, I honestly can't remember which version it was that I was playing. Uh, gosh, I would have been in middle school, right around like 2000 to 2003, so it would have been one of you know, like one of the ones in the middle, I guess you could say.
1: Oh, we could have had the same one. I, I was homeschooled, so unfortunately, I did not get to experience like having the computer classes in the computer labs. Right, but. My dad worked at IBM and he got to like get all the new CDs for stuff. So we had Mavis Beacon because my mom wanted to learn how to type. And I think we had the 2000 plus edition where it was just like her big face was on the cover of it.
0: (laughs) You know, you want it. Yeah. (laughs) Come learn some typing.
1: Come get the Beacon.
0: Come get it, shining beacon! Actually,
1: hope. that's funny that you. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say. Yeah, let's let's talk about her name because um, obviously the person who they took the likeness from was not named Mavis Beacon. Where does her name come from?
1: Her name actually comes from a popular jazz singer, uh, Mavis Staples. She was a musician.
0: Oh, the Staples Sisters, right?
1: Yeah, the Beacon actually comes from just like what you said, a beacon of light, because she's like your shining guide.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Wow. Very clever of them. Beacon of Hope.
0: Beacon of Hope. Beacon, shining light in the dark.
1: Hey, this isn't a Kingdom Hearts podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. It is now. <laughs> Just because of that. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I mean, because, you know, it's a good name and it's obviously memorable and is stuck with lots of people, but I don't know, like a shining beacon of hope to like guide you sounds so much more... Uh, epic (laughs) than teaching you to type correctly
1: yeah (laughs) for sure i did always wonder because uh the software sort of fell out of style around like the very early 2000s probably like 2006 is when a lot of people were like hey we don't need to learn how to type i'm just going to use my fingers like (laughs) there was it was not (laughs) necessary yeah and we were also getting like ipads and just portable devices where That was pretty much people's introduction to typing with the QWERTY keyboard. So it just it just fell out of favor and was just no longer relevant. And I wonder if there would be any sort of way to like reintegrate Mavis back into the world of tech.
0: I mean, I'll I'll tell you, I know that there's websites that uh, my students use to test their uh, typing. And it it is kind of a game like the faster you type, the faster your car goes, assuming you're you know getting things right yeah but i, I want to say it's just like a free program um I sh- i'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to kind of shoehorn her into something like that as long as it was online and accessible
1: yeah just reframe her purpose a little bit that that would be cool
0: right yeah i mean add her into smash brothers something to get everybody really <laughs> going roster. again
1: <laughs> what do you think her final smash would be
0: she uh i don't know you'd have to type something perfectly and she would just come down with a big uh keyboard to like smash you know or she'd like pop up in the background
1: it'd probably be like a series of quick time events Mm -hmm. like she would throw the person up into the air and then there would be like a bunch of quick time events and that would be it that'd be amazing
0: (laughs) or like the the keyboard like busts apart and all the keys fall all over the screen if they hit somebody they like knocks them for a loop yeah. It just,
1: like, flies down, and then there's just her, like, hovering above the other character's body, playing, like, the keytar or something.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, no, that, that's, the, that's the catch we need, is Mavis Beacon teaches keytar.
1: Exactly. we got to revive her. we got to send her into 2022.
0: <laughs> hey, Ben here in the editing booth. Don't worry, this isn't an extra ad. Raven and I were actually looking over Mavis Beacon pictures, Or the save file for this episode after we recorded and I stumbled upon the most recent Mavis Beacon game, which is actually from 2021. Uh, We both had no idea about this game. I went ahead and sent her the information on it and this is what she sent me back.
1: Oh my god. Okay, so I got your message. (laughs) I got your message about Mavis Beacon, the keyboarding kids game. This was released July 20th in 2021, except it's Encore software. I'm not sure if that's uh like I'm not sure if the company like changed names or whatever, but it's under the software company Encore Software, and it's even listed on Steam. And over here it's like 35 Canadian dollars, but it, it wow, it's like an actual maybe speaking game. Looks very much like they use like Tune Boom or Flash or something. But, you know, it does somewhat stay true to the original Mavis Beacon setup. This is just just weird to look at. I did not think they were doing typing stuff still for kids. And it's $35. Hmm. I don't know about that.
0: We just felt the need to clarify. So now back to the original recording.
1: But if you think about it, and I did mention this in the video, she kind of stands as like the original E-girl. I'm just saying.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, she was everybody's uh, senpai waifu.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day. Teach me how to type, please. (laughs)
1: Exactly. I'm begging you. I think she does stand as an important figure. It's a shame that uh, today's generation doesn't get to know that feeling of, or or just like the impact that she had. But, you know, I think the role that she played definitely served a purpose and the fallout sounds like a disaster to say a fallout, but like <laughs> the result of her impact kind of, you know, it, it did really integrate a lot of people into computers, whether they wanted to learn how to type or not. So I think it was all in all very positive, especially in terms of her representation as a black woman. Right. Teaching people how to type. Yeah.
0: Now, do you think there's a group of people out there that are adamant that she actually does exist, and they did see her at a conference or uh, on the street corner.
1: Yes, I think they're probably somewhere redpilling it up on Reddit or something. <laughs> like I just
0: <laughs> red pill, red pill, Mavis <laughs> Beacon subreddit is gonna come, come for us.
1: Our beacon of truth. Oh.
0: <laughs> oh no. Oh man, that's really good. It probably already exists. That's the sad part, or the amazing part. Uh, wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Um, I know there's not like a huge, uh, rabbit hole to go down, but um, just you know, the representation is awesome. The the fact that they were able to take her likeness from somebody and kind of build it into a brand, H- has she always been represented on the box covers by an actual picture, or has it sometimes been like a painting or a drawing?
1: Uh, it's it's those um, how, what do you how do you call it? It's it's those. Photorealistic pictures where they take it and like they add like an emboss kind of.
0: Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. I see.
1: Yeah. Kind of like a digital character from like a DOS game. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, see, what you should do is you should try and track down every model who's ever been Mavis Beacon. Because you know, we know the one is uh, apparently missing, gone. You know, that might be too hard yeah. to do. But uh, it'd be interesting to find out who else has uh, taken on that role.
1: To find all of the beacons.
0: That's right. See, Seek and beacon can be our website. Seek we don't need. We, we don't need to take somebody else's.
1: That sounds like a very suspect dating website. Seek and beacon.
0: It sounds like the name of this episode, <laughs> <laughs> to me. But yeah. So uh, where can people? find your stuff online obviously you have a youtube channel and that is uh, under bob dunga right
1: yeah if you guys want to check out any of my videos or my tweets or whatever like that you can find me under the name bob dunga 92 on like every platform i think
0: fair enough okay and you already told us that there's uh new content that you've been digging into um is there anything else that you'd like to promote while you're here
1: I think that's it for now just be very patient it's it's been a labor of love it's I've been working on this next doc for like about it's I think it's been like six months now and I'm like losing my mind but I'm so close to being done and I honestly think that this one is a lot longer and if you liked the first documentary then I think you're going to absolutely love this one
0: fantastic all right well I look forward to it thanks again for coming on
1: thanks for having me
0: That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check our Save File page where you can find pictures, screenshots, and videos about each episode we produce. Just head to MemoryCardShow.com and click Save Files. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamitar. You can find more of his bangin' beats by searching Jamitar. That's J-A-M-A-T-A-R on Spotify or visiting Jamitar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or want to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out via Twitter at MemCardShow or via our website. If you'd like to follow Push and I, we can be found at PushDustin and at SuperBentendo, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early ad-free episodes. This includes Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Harrison, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Shala, Sandra L., Brandon Hanabarger, Dan K, Sean Marafini, and Sirius Kano. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com memcard. I'll be back with Push at My Side for Episode 2 and some gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you enjoy the show. See you later.